You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on the Pet Life Radio Network. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, the sidekick of Max A. Pooch, the canine champion for animals and the environment. Each episode of Awesome Animal Advocates is dedicated to an individual or individuals whose work help improve or save the lives of animals and make our planet a better place. Our guest today is Bob Barker, television celebrity and animal advocate. He is best known for his 35 years as host for The Price is Right, his last episode airing in 2007. But there is another side of Bob that makes him so important to those who love animals. That side is Bob Barker, the animal advocate. Bob is such a believer in what he does, he has put principle before paycheck. A well-known example is when he asks that fur coats be removed from the prize packages received by the winners of the Miss USA pageants. The pageant officials refused, and Bob declined to host them. Bob will discuss why he's such a passionate animal activist, as well as a very important project that he is involved in that includes rescuing lions from Peru. And more after this word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. It's DesignerPetSweaters.com, the latest fashion trends for our furry friends. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit DesignerPetSweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. DesignerPetSweaters.com Hi, this is T.O.D. Anderson, and I'm the host of Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about a variety of topics on canine behavior and training, all based on modern methods that are fun for you and your dog. We might be talking about other critters, too. So join us on Get Positive Results. We'll talk about common issues between you and your dog, answer your questions, discuss different activities you can do with your dog, and keep you posted on current canine news and products. All this on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest today is television celebrity and animal advocate, Bob Barker. Hi, Bob. How are you today? Keith, I'm splendid. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to talk with you. 
Well, I'm happy to speak with you. Yeah, because we really uh, believe in uh, you know all you're doing, and I'm sure our audience is going to want to hear a little bit more about what you're doing. And so what we can do is get right into it. Let's do it. And the first thing I'd like to ask you about is one of the things I became aware of when I was doing research, I guess I'd forgotten it, that you had refused to host the Miss USA pageants because they didn't want to stop. Uh, offering fur coats as prizes. Correct. That was back in 1987. And at that time, I was doing both the Miss Universe and the Miss USA beauty pageants. And uh, you want me to tell you a story? Sure. I'd love to hear it. Well, the story is this. They had been giving away fur coats as prizes on the pageants. And I was early on in my uh, animal activist career, and I was only becoming aware of the cruelty to animals in the production of fur. So I went to them and asked them to stop giving away fur coats on the show. And they had agreed that they would. And I went down in 1987 to Albuquerque, New Mexico to do the Miss USA pageant. And they were not going to give away a fur on the show, but they were going to have the 12 swimsuit contestants make their entrance wearing a fur coat over their swimsuits, slip out of the coat, and uh, pose for the judges. So I went to the producers, and I said, look, I've been speaking out against fur at every opportunity all over the United States. And I can't be on this stage surrounded with these 12 beautiful women in fur coats. And uh, they understood where I was coming from. But they uh, had thousands of dollars in fur coats there. And they had contractual agreements. And so uh, it was a problem. And we discussed it over a period of two or three days. And it leaked to the press. And that was the best thing that ever happened to the anti-fur movement. It became news all over the country. It was front page newspaper news. It was radio news. It was television news. I was getting so many requests for television uh, interviews on some of the biggest shows, I could hardly rehearse. It was wonderful. Wow, but but when you uh, first did that, were you afraid that would jeopardize your career? I wasn't concerned about my career. I I thought I might lose the two shows, and I was making very good money from them, but it was well worth it to me. But in any event, this was really the beginning of the end of the popularity of fur, and it worked out beautifully. We we came to a compromise. They made their entrance wearing... uh, faux furs. Uh, They weren't actually furs. And uh, we did the show. And then the next year, they reneged on their promise to not give away furs. And so I I quit both the Miss Universe and the Miss USA pageants. Wow, that's a great story. Now, when did you first start advocating for animals? So it was a little bit before then? Well, it was a little bit before that, before 87. I've been actually active for a little over 30 years now. Been a long time. Yes, it has. And I was one of one of the originals, and now I have been joined by thousands across the country, around the world. This animal rights movement is a complete success. It's uh, it's amazing to me, having been there from the beginning, to see what we've accomplished. 
It really is. It really is. And speaking of uh, animal rights efforts, you're currently working on a project with Tim Phillips and Jan Kramer, the founders of Animal Defenders International, called oh, the Spirit of Freedom. I'm delighted to be associated with them. They are so productive. They have Animal Defenders International. It began in England, has spread all over the world, have two offices here in the United States now, and they are among of all of the animal protection organizations around the world. They're among the most productive. They're hard workers, they're very knowledgeable, and they're really getting it done. And I understand they're down in Peru right now with the spirit That's of right. freedom. And That's right. They've managed to get the Peruvian government to forbid the use of lions in uh, circuses. And uh, they're down there uh, rounding up the lions and they're going to fly them all up to a wonderful sanctuary in Colorado where they'll be able to live the life that nature intended. Now, is that the same sanctuary that, let's see, I, I believe they also rescued animals or lions from uh, Bolivia? Bolivia, Bolivia. Yeah. yeah. that uh, I was with them in that, too. And uh, I, was, I went to Denver to uh, be among the greeters when they... Uh, came in and uh, it was just a sight to behold and then we took them out to the, the sanctuary and I don't think within a matter of time there just a few hours I don't think there was a dry eye in the place and I know I had a lump in my throat they were out there just playing like kittens and uh, lying around and rolling in the grass and uh, just behaving like lions uh, were meant to behave it was it was very touching but it must have been because, uh, as I understand it, those circus lions, for the most part, were just kept in uh, small cages, traveling cages, and ne- never, never, never even felt the earth under their feet. That's absolutely true, and I'm sorry to tell you the very same thing is happening right here in the United States. It's the same wherever lions are in circuses, and it's terrible. And right now, the... Uh, Animal Defenders International is trying to bring a halt to it in the United States. They have a bill before Congress called the Traveling Exotic Animal Protection Act. And if the Traveling Exotic Animal Protection Act passes, then they can't travel exotic animals. And if you can't travel them, you can't have them in circuses. And that would be it. It'd be wonderful. You know, that'd be great because uh, I know the work they do, and you were right on, I think, when you said they're very thorough because not only, you know, some groups will talk about a problem, but they'll actually create awareness of it and then go in and do the research and document it and then help people write the legislation. And then as in the case of Peru and Bolivia, they actually go down and take care of the problem that's caused when the circuses have to get rid of their lions, they go rescue them. So that's a really incredible job they're doing. It is incredible. And they do one more step in that procedure, just as you described. But unlike some organizations, once they place the animals, they help support them. You know, these sanctuaries that take in animals, lions, tigers, uh, wolves, bears, you name it, elephants, that's a tremendous expense. And ADI helps after they, they place them, they help them then on. Wow, that really is amazing. So they're there from the beginning through the end. And the end they're being... there and they're through the end. And by that, I mean as long as the animals live. That's right. Now, how did you first become aware or associated with them? Well, they were uh, 
as I said, they were in England, and I'd heard, uh, you know, things about them all very favorable. And then they opened an office here in uh, the United States, and they were unknown, and they, they were not getting uh, sufficient con- contributions to uh, keep the office going. I heard they were about to fold, so far as the United States was concerned. And I knew that they were such a fine organization, so I made a contribution that helped them keep their doors open, and uh, they have thrived. Well, that's great, because they certainly deserve to, the the work they do. Now, you also founded an organization, I think it was back in 1995, called the DJ&T Foundation? That's right. In memory of my wife, Dorothy Jo, and my mother, whose name was Matilda, but everybody called her Tilly. DJ&T Foundation, and uh, for years we have subsidized spay-neuters all over the United States. And uh, then we enlarged our scope, and uh, we're now helping animals organizations individually that are doing all sorts of things, everything from uh, sanctuaries to very active organizations. Well, that's great. That's great. And, uh, you know, I forgot to mention it, but while I think of it, the website address for Animal Defenders International is ad-international.org. That's www.ad-international.org. And the web address for DJ&T Foundation is djtfoundation.org. That's www.djtfoundation.org. And what other animal advocacy organizations are you interested in or involved in, Bob? Well, I've worked very closely with Paws Sanctuary. Uh, Paws is up there in Northern California, and we've placed elephants there. We've placed bears there. We've placed lions there. And uh, Ed uh, Stewart is the uh, director, and he is one of the most... uh, knowledgeable experts on elephants particularly. He's traveled all over the world to help with elephant problems. I've worked with Paws for years. I've worked with uh, PETA. Everybody knows PETA, and PETA is a dynamite organization. I worked with them. I worked with an organization most closely of all called United Activists for Animal Rights. The founder and director is Nancy Burnett, B-U-R-N-E-T, one T. And she and I have worked together for more than 30 years now, and uh, her headquarters is in Riverside. And I don't know a more knowledgeable or more uh, productive animal rights activist in the United States. I'm proud to be associated with her. And uh, I've worked with Mercy for Animals. You name it. I've worked with uh, a lot of them. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, and we've, you, uh, the DJT Foundation has contributed to uh, sanctuaries all over the country. Right now, we're going through a wonderful period in that the federal government is giving up some of the uh, chimps that they've been experimenting on for years. Chimps whose feet have never touched the grass, born and kept in cages their entire lives. And they're releasing them, and these organizations have do not have the... Uh, facilities to uh, care for them, and I've been helping those organizations all over the United States as well. Well, that's great, because I I had a uh, 
Well, actually, I wrote an article about the author of an anthology called The uh, Chimp Chronicles, and uh, it was an anthology of short stories written by people who actually had worked with chimps in research facilities and became so sensitive to what they were doing, they resigned their jobs, or when they quit, never went back again. Those stories are just, just so heartbreaking. Oh, they are heartbreaking. They're gruesome. They're terrible things. You know, people ask me about the animal rights movement and how it's going. And uh, I describe it as being like a snowball on a high mountain. It starts down the mountain and it just picks up snow all the way down and it gets bigger and bigger and goes faster and faster. And that's what's happening with this movement. And it's people like you who are helping so much to make this happen because one of the things, probably the most important thing for us in the animal rights movement is to make people aware. Most people love animals, but they don't know how they're being treated in entertainment and in laboratories and in circuses and zoos. They don't know. And with the help of television, radio, and newspapers, we're making them aware. Well, thank you for saying that. And, um, you know, I want to ask you, Bob, what do you suggest our listeners do? Since all our listeners are animal lovers, what do you suggest they do if they want to become more active in advocating for animals? Well, I would suggest that they start on a local level, uh, find out, do a little uh, investigation and find out what animal rights organizations there are in your city or near your city and uh, find out whether they're actually accomplishing anything, and then help them out financially or actively. Go, you know, they can demonstrate, and thing, things, there are a lot of things they can do. Or, if you don't want to become the, join an organization, go to your local shelter, and they need all the help they can get, help of all kinds. Of course, they need money, but if you want to be active, uh, oh, for instance, they have some organizations have a day when the dogs are walked. And they, people come in and they walk all the dogs that have been kept in, in cages. They walk them and give them a chance to get out and, and bark and run and uh, so on. And uh, so there are a lot of things you can do, but do it carefully so that you know that you're with an organization that is legitimate and doing a good job and then go for it. I'm glad you said that because so many times people assume just because an organization calls itself a nonprofit, it's legitimate. And there can be a lot of reasons why, even though they're legitimate, maybe there might be other organizations where you can better spend your time because they're more efficient or because just a lot of business reasons, really. Or better spend your money. Yes. Because there are some organizations, they advertise and mislead people into believing they're doing such wonderful things when actually they're building up their bank account. Yes, that's right. And that's what I tell people. I said, just because it's a nonprofit, don't, you know, just don't jump to the conclusion everything is good. Do your due diligence. And, uh, you know, I want to ask you, Bob, because I know sometimes I get criticized. You know, those people ask me, how with all the human misery there is in the world, can you justify spending time, money, and resources on animals and improving and saving their lives? And how would you oh, yes, answer you, that question? Oh, think how many uh, children you could help. Think of how many of this, how many of that. Think of what you could do for the human race. 
There are millions and millions of people doing everything they can for the human race. But there aren't many people who are devoting their time and their money to helping animals. And uh, I think the animals need it desperately, and they're going to get my help as long as I live. I agree. I agree. And I guess I can blame my rescue dog, Max A. Pooch, for getting me in this whole wonderful, challenging, exciting um, area because uh, I was like so many people. I just went on making assumptions. And one day I adopted this dog and I got to thinking about... Uh, that was the first step. And it was exactly the right step. Never go to a breeder. Never buy a dog. Go to the shelters. There are millions of dogs across the country that are desperate for homes. You're sure right about that because uh, Max and I, we ha in fact, Max was invited to a VIP edition of uh, America's Got Talent uh, a couple weeks ago because oh. he's known as the uh, black lab that turns green and he uh, picks up bottles and other recyclables and puts them in the trash. I saw something about that in the paper, I think. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, I think I've, I've heard something about that. Yes. And well, our congratulations. You well, have a worker dog. Yeah, yeah. And our, our and our message is Max was discarded. That's the way reason he hates to see anything thrown away, whether it's a um, a bottle or a uh, pooch. Every time he gets out and does his thing, he not only reminds people to pick up trash, but he also reminds them and shows them what great dogs, rescue dogs are. So his name we, is Max. Yeah, his name's Max A. Pooch. And, yeah, uh, give Max a big pet for me. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. Tell so, him Bob Barker sends his very best. Well, thank you. He's a fan of yours. He, How well, old is he? Well, he'll be eight the day after Christmas. Oh, that's a good age. He, he'll have some more years. Yes, he will. And uh, he's in good shape, and he's gotten me, he exercises me daily, twice a day. <laughs> great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of fun. So we sort of, I guess I sort of fell in, into this, and uh, I think you can identify with it, is that when you start doing things like this, is the amazing people and and animals and places that uh, you end up never expecting. I've I, met some generous people, some fearless people, some devoted people, some productive people. They've just been all shapes and sizes, black, white, brown. They've been uh, just wonderful people to know and to work with. Yeah, I think although it's dangerous to make generalizations about people that everyone I've met so far, animal advocate, is really a nice person. And I think they're not one-sided. Of course, they're advocating for animals, but they're also concerned about human beings, too. Oh, so. yes. Oh, I've, I have helped uh, wounded veterans, or several groups, extensively. And uh, there are people who work with all sorts of organizations uh, that are trying to help human beings. It's not just animals, but I, I'm better known for my help for animals, and I, I devote more time and money to animals than anything else, but I, I help other things too. And I think it's the nature of, uh, you know, people who help. They're just not one-sided. And uh, it's amazing some of the things that are being done now with veterans and dogs where, where they're helping each other. That's right. Um, and uh, some yeah. of those programs. I work uh, with an organization called LARC. Lockwood Animal Rescue Center, and they're up here in Northern California near a hospital for the veterans, and they have the veterans 
come over, the, the wounded veterans who are recuperating, they have them come over and work among the animals, you know, and they pay them. And it's good for the animals and it's good for the veterans, too. It's wonderful. Right, right. I interviewed a lady from uh, Chicago, Cynthia Bathurst, Safe Humane Chicago. And uh, she does a lot of things, but she has just started a new branch of her group that they have dogs that uh, were abused and confiscated by the courts and veterans suffering from PTSD right. uh, work with the dogs. And so right. it's, a, it's a mutual benefit. It's right. It's good for both of them. Right. It really socializes them. But this has been really great, Bob. I appreciate the time you're taking and sharing with our audience your experience. And uh, I want to ask you, you said that uh, when you watched the lions arrive from Bolivia that, uh, you know, you literally felt your heart throb, you know, it was in your throat. Was that the... I had a lump in my throat. Well, I I was in tears. Was that the most emotional time or was there another... No, I I can walk through a, an animal shelter and cry. I can, <laughs> I'm a pretty easy target. <laughs> well, you know, we'd have a good cry together because uh, I just look at those, or I look at you know Facebook and the and the cross posters. We'll have all these poor dogs that are don't have much time, and, uh, and I just go, oh my goodness gracious, that's terrible. And so I have to get I told, off. I, I told a friend of mine the other day. I said, the older I get, the more I cry. And he said, well, the older you get, the more you have to cry about. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sorry I interrupted you, I think. Oh, oh no, no, that's great. That's great. So, but we've uh, about run out of time, and I want to thank you for being with us today, Bob. I really do. This has been great. Well, it's uh, been great for me, I'll tell you. And as far as I'm concerned, this is time well spent because we've talked about a lot of things that hopefully people will be interested in and start doing something to help animals. That's great advice. And anytime you want to talk about one of the groups you're helping, if you want to come back and uh, join us, I'd really like to share what you're doing with our audience. Well, I certainly will. And uh, if anything uh, comes up that you want me to talk with you about, you know how to reach me now. I Give me a call and uh, we'll have at it. Okay, that's great. I really do appreciate it. And Max A. Pooch gives you five big tail wagging wolves for what you do because he knows your work has directly improved the lives of dogs and other animals. Well, I thank him very much. (laughs) Yeah, I thank you. We'll talk again soon. Okay, thank you so much, Bob. I appreciate it. Thank you, Keith. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I also want to thank Mark Winter, executive producer and co-founder of Pet Life Radio and the sponsors who make this program possible. Please join us for each and every episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates and be sure to tell your friends about us. Remember, until we meet again, when you do a good thing for an animal, you help to make the world a better place. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.